Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Workers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Wednesday, December 28th, 2022. Coming up this hour. The CEO of Southwest Airlines apologizes as the carrier keeps canceling flights. The White House will comply with the Supreme Court decision to keep coronavirus border controls in place. And China's decision to abandon its COVID zero policy now has other countries considering restricting entry. Residents in Buffalo continue to dig out from the blizzard of the century, plus new details from the January Sixth panel on Rudy Giuliani. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stash, Howard Sports. An amazing night for Luke Doncic. He led Dallas to an overtime win over the Knicks. The Islanders won. The Rangers lost. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak on Bloomberg 1130 New York, Bloomberg 991 Washington D.C., Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Sirius XM 119, and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. And good morning, I'm John Tucker. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures are little changed this morning. And we check the markets all day long here on Bloomberg Radio. S&P futures and NASDAQ futures both little changed. Well, now futures are higher of 53 points or about two-tenths of a percent. The DAX in Germany is down about two-tenths of a percent. Ten-year treasury up 330 seconds, yield 3.82 percent. And the yield on the two-year, 4.33 percent. John. And Karen, we're going to begin with the latest on Southwest travel woes. The CEO of the airline now issuing a public apology. Bob Jordan released a video statement after Southwest once again canceled flights across the country. I want everyone who is dealing with the problems we've been facing, whether you haven't been able to get to where you need to go or you're one of our heroic employees caught up in a massive effort to stabilize the airline, uh, to know is that we're doing everything we can to return to a normal operation. Southwest CEO Bob Jordan says the airline is optimistic. It's going to be back on track before next week. Well, John, Southwest is responsible for almost three-quarters of flight cancellations in the U.S., and that's drawing ire from government officials. And Bloomberg Steve Rappaport joins us live with details. Steve, good morning. Good morning, Karen and John. Southwest and the White House agree on one thing. The mass disruptions are unacceptable. And as the airline attempts to catch up, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg wonders why the competition had a much easier time recovering from last week's storm. This weather event affected everybody, and we understand that you can't control the weather, but uh, there is no satisfying explanation for why all of the other airlines are recovering and moving in the right direction, uh, while Southwest is still, as we speak, canceling a majority of their flights. Today's travel forecast has more of the same. The flight tracking site FlightAware shows Southwest with over 2,500 cancellations. Live in New York, I'm Steve Rappaport, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, thanks, Steve. Another major story we're following this morning. The White House says it's going to comply with and enforce the Supreme Court's ruling on Title 42. Let's get more in this report from Bloomberg's Ed Baxter. Title 42 is a Trump-era control on border immigration. It was due to expire when the challenge went all the way to the Supreme Court. The court says it will stay in effect while litigation goes forward potentially into June. 
So the Biden administration now says it will enforce the rule, although it says lifting it is way overdue. The White House says it will prepare for eventually being able to lift the restrictions in an orderly form, even as it continues to enforce them now. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. Great, Ed, thank you. Well, also more details this morning on Donald Trump's taxes. Bloomberg News has learned that years of the former president's tax returns will be released Friday. Key identifying information, such as account numbers, will be blacked out. The documents will be the first complete look at the former president's tax records, tax records for the years he was running for office and in the White House. And turning to the markets now, Karen, Hong Kong was the outperformer in Asia overnight. More easing of COVID restrictions helped fuel a gain of 1.5% on the Hang Seng Index. Hong Kong is scrapping limits on public gatherings, no longer requiring proof of vaccination for entry to some venues. Well, John, Hong Kong's easing follows China's decision to abandon its COVID zero policy and reopen its borders. That's now prompting a global response. Countries are considering whether to test or restrict travelers from China. We get more from Bloomberg's Alan Wan in Shanghai. Japan was the, the first to say that it's going to require a negative COVID test upon arrival for uh, mainland Chinese residents. But the U.S. is also considering new precautions as well. Uh, this is based on concern about a new variant emerging out of, out of China. Uh, that, that ever since uh, Beijing announced that it's no longer going to quarantine arrivals from uh, January 8th, and that's also going to start issuing passports again. Bloomberg's Alan Wan says U.S. officials are raising questions about the transparency of China's data on the spread of the virus. And Karen, back here in the U.S., futures are mixed after a down day on Wall Street. The S&P 500 has fallen more than 6% this month and almost 20% of the year. Miller Tabak, equity strategist Matt Maley, says the bear market is not over yet. But the biggest problem I, I think that we face is that when, whenever the market gets to an extremely overvalued level, like it did at the end of 2021, this time last year, uh, the, uh, the the bear market always lasts longer than just a year or so. It usually lasts 18 months or even a little bit longer. Miller Tabak equity strategist Matt Maley sees the S&P 500 going down to at least 3,500. Well, so far this year, John, Tesla is the third worst-performing stock in the S&P 500, and the tailspin in shares shows no sign of abating anytime soon. Shares fell more than 11% yesterday, and we get the story from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. So far this year, the stock is down 69%, and with the latest declines, it marks their longest losing streak since 2018 as a report of a plan to temporarily halt production at its China factory rekindled fears about demand risks. Tesla had its seventh straight decline and its steepest one-day drop since April. The electric vehicle maker's market valuation has shrunk to roughly $345 billion below that of Walmart, J.P. Morgan Chase, and NVIDIA. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. Right, thanks, Charlie. Not as hard hit as Tesla, but Apple begins trading today. It's lowest level since June of 2021. Apple has fallen almost 27% this year on concerns over iPhone production issues. And futures this morning are little change. Ten-year Treasury up 3.30 seconds, yield 3.82%. And straight ahead, we have your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. 
And it's going to turn partly to mostly sunny today. The high temperatures in New York in the mid-40s. Right now, 5.07 on Wall Street. Time for a look at some of the other stories making news in New York and around the world. And for that, we're joined by Bloomberg's Michael Barr. Michael, good morning. Good morning, John. Officials in New York say state and military police were sent to keep people from driving in snow-choked Buffalo. The Erie County Executive says that police are being positioned at entrances to Buffalo and at major intersections to enforce a ban on driving. Buffalo Mayor Byron Brown. We have plowed specifically to get people to medical appointments, chemotherapy, uh, dialysis. Uh, we have done welfare checks for senior citizens uh, and families with young children. Buffalo Mayor Brown says more than 30 people died in the region. The GOP chairman in New York Congressman-elect George Santos's district is talking after the Long Island Republican admitted he lied about his personal and professional life during his successful campaign run. Chairman Joseph Cairo said that he was deeply disappointed and Santos may have broken the public's trust, but says he will carry out the public's will when it comes to tax relief and public safety. Even if there's an investigation in the House, it would take a two-thirds majority in the Republican-led House to expel Santos from office. Meanwhile, a new Congress will take power in January. Representative John Katko of New York gave his outlook on what to expect from the 118th Congress. Well, I think the extremes on both sides only know how to vote no. They call them the vote no, hope yes caucus. Uh, and when they vote no, they hope you pass it for them. But uh, I think that it's going to hit natural more give and take with uh, the moderate wing of the, of the Democratic Party because we're going to have to get things done. Congressman Katko spoke with David Weston on Bloomberg's Balance of Power. We're learning more from the transcripts of the January 6th panel. The former president's attorney, Rudy Giuliani, was in daily contact with Donald Trump between November 5th of 2020 and January 15th of 2021, as much as 10 times a day. That's according to testimony by former New York Police Commissioner Bernard Carrick. Carrick had been police commissioner during former New York Mayor Rudy Giuliani's second term. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg John. Michael, thank you. As coming up on 510, that's time for the sports report being brought to you by your tri-state Audi dealer. And good morning, John Stanshower. Good morning, John. Knicks went down to Dallas knowing they'd have to deal with Mavs star Luka Doncic. They didn't know Doncic would end the night with the greatest triple-double in NBA history. 60 points, 21 rebounds, 10 assists, and some heroics at the end of regulation when he went to the free-throw line with the Mavs down two. Four seconds to go, he missed the free-throw on purpose. Got the rebound, scored the tying basket. Dallas went on to win in overtime, 126-121. They had trailed by nine with 35 seconds remaining. Knicks were shorthanded due to injuries to Jalen Brunson and R.J. Barrett. At the Garden, Rangers shut out for only the second time. Washington won 4-0. The UBS Arena Islanders beat Pittsburgh 5-1. Two goals for both Andres Lee and Matthew Barzell. Marquette beat Seton Hall 83-69, drops the Pirates to 0-3 in the Big East. Big game for the Giants Sunday against the Colts, who are again going to start Nick Foles at quarterback, even though he just threw three interceptions. It's the home finale for Brian Dayball's team. Work extremely hard each week to to put a good product on the field, and um, you know one of the reasons is you know for our fan base. Um, so to you know play at home. Um, in late December, uh, an important game. Um, you know, it's it's 
important to us. I know it's important to them, and we'll do everything we can do to, to be ready to go. The game actually not late December. It's January 1st. The Giants win. They're in the playoffs. J.J. Watt will play two more games for Arizona and then retire at age 33. Three-time Defensive Player of the Year with Houston. Watt is a lock someday for the Hall of Fame. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. John. All right, John, thanks very much. The Bloomberg Sports Report brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off of the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local Tri-State Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. Ahead of the cash open on Wall Street futures, mixed right now. The Dow futures, they're up 50 points. That's up two-tenths of a percent. S&P E-mini futures up just two points. And the NASDAQ E-mini futures right now, they are down 10 points. That is down a tenth of a percent. Ten-year yield, that was down one basis points right now at 382. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Live from coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on Sirius XM, the Bloomberg Business App, and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. And good morning. I'm John Tucker. We heard a brief tape at the top of the hour saying the bear market in stocks has further to go. Let's take a deeper dive into that and get you set up for the market day ahead. We're joined now by Matt Maley, the chief market strategist, at Miller Tabak. Always a pleasure, Matt. Thanks for being with us. As we uh, close out the year, the S&P 500 is down, what, close to 20% in 2022. Do stock valuations offer anything compelling for investors at this point? John, I think, think the, the, the valuation issue is, is maybe the, my biggest concern right now. I mean, we're, we're trading at uh, between 17 and 18 times uh, earnings, uh, but also uh, you look at sales, uh, price to sales, which is, you know, you know Probably a more accurate uh, reflection of of what's going on in terms of valuations is trading at 2.2 uh, times sales. Uh, these are very high valuation levels, and uh, you know, no, they're not as, certainly not as high as they were at the beginning of the year. Uh, but if you you know, when you're not in a in a time frame or or a situation where you have uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, zero interest rates and massive QE programs, you know, massive accommodation. Uh, the, those kind of uh, valuations where we're 18 to 20 times earnings or higher uh, are just aren't attainable. And so I think, uh, you know, when you go back uh, in times when you don't have those kind of uh, big accommodation uh, situations, uh, you're looking at something that's more like 16 or even less uh, times earnings. And if with a lot of people concerned that earnings are going to go down next year, uh, that makes it a, a, a tough headwind as we move into the into the new year. Well, how much of that earnings risk is priced in right now to uh, to the market? Well, I mean, you, you just look at the numbers. Like I said, the the if if, if it was already priced in, the market would be, would be trading more like fifteen times earnings or even less. <clears throat> Excuse me. Every bear market since World War II uh, has seen the the the, the stock market drop to a, a level of at least 15 times earnings and, and usually less than that. And so, uh, uh, you know, again, the, the, you know, bear markets tend to swing to, to the other the other side. And, and the reason why that happens, of course, that's not just a, a, a you know, a, 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 an interesting tidbit of statistics. There's a reason for it. It's because when the market gets built up and becomes extremely overvalued, like it did this time last year, uh, there's a lot of leverage built into the market. And so when that de-risking and deleveraging takes place, it swings to the other side because uh, people get forced selling and margin calls and such uh, as, as the uh, bear market plays out. So uh, I think that uh, we have further to go, and, and uh, it's just uh, it, it, unless we get something that really helps this economy turn around in a major way very quickly, uh, we still have a lot of headwinds uh, right now. 
the leverage points you, you point out with the margin debt numbers, how, how much leverage has been worked out of the system, if any, at this point? Well, it certainly has been some work worked out. The problem is, you know, like you said, the margin debt. You look at the FINRA margin debt numbers; uh, at, at still over six hundred billion dollars. I mean, these are they're way, well down from the over eight hundred uh, billion of this time last year. But the numbers that, that still exist is still higher than the tops uh, of, of uh, two thousand seven and two thousand. Forget about being near the bottoms uh, of where those uh, bear markets uh, uh, bottomed out. And again, I'm not looking for the same kind of 50% decline that we saw back then, uh, but I just think that uh, uh, we do have further to go because, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the natural pendulum, the way the pendulum swings uh, in a bear market. I'm sorry that it's painful, but when you have a, a bear market reach the kind of, I'm sorry, the bull market, the, the preceding bull market, that reached the kind of extremes in terms of valuation and overbought technical conditions, uh, I'm afraid we do swing to the other side, and it takes takes longer than usual when we get to those kind of extremes. And that does imply for selling ahead, right? Well, it, it, it should at some point. I mean, we've already seen some of that, uh, in, especially in certain markets like the cryptocurrency market, et cetera. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's a, a couple of very interesting articles in the last few days uh, you know, from, on Bloomberg uh, talking about how uh, credit spreads uh, are, are becoming a problem. Uh, and, you know, the credit markets, we have, you know, uh, the highest level of corporate debt in history uh, by a long shot. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's uh, a lot of that debt was taken on uh, to just to buy back stock. Now that sounds good when it's taking place. The problem is when you're when you're taking on debt and you're putting into building a new factory, well that's good that's a good idea because uh that new factory will help you service that debt, help you pay that debt. Uh when you just do it to buy back stock, it doesn't help you do that. So even though interest rates were low, and of course as that debt comes uh comes up for a renewal, uh you're gonna have to you know roll it over at higher levels and it, it, it puts a stress on earnings and such. So uh you, you get a stress in the credit markets and not just in the stock market and and those are the types of things that can cause uh, some forced selling at some Hey, Matt, can you stick with us? We're going to take a break and come back and uh, take a deeper dive into this as we set you up for the trading day. Matt Madeley, the chief market strategist at Miller Tayback. Again, we're going to take a break, continue our conversation. It's coming up on 518 on Wall Street. Still ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. We're going to check the markets, bring you the latest news in business, economics, and finance. I'm John Tucker. This is Bloomberg. Right now, the Dow Futures. 64 points higher. That's up two-tenths of a percent. S&P E-mini futures, three points higher. That's up about a tenth of a percent. Uh, the NASDAQ futures right now, the E-mini futures are three points lower, kind of trending, uh, treading water this morning. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Stay with us. Headlines and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. And European stocks are moving higher this morning. U.S. stock index futures, they've been struggling for direction as news of further moves by China to reopen its economy failed to lift investor sentiment in the final week of a dismal year for markets. We check the markets all day long here on Bloomberg. S&P futures now higher up about five points or a tenth of a percent. Dow futures up two tenths percent or 72 points. And Nasdaq futures are little changed. The DAX in Germany is down about a tenth of a percent. Ten-year treasury up four. 
4.30 seconds, yield 3.82%. They yield on the two-year 4.34%. NYMEX crude oil is down three tenths percent or 22 cents at $79.31 a barrel. COMEX gold down six tenths percent or $11.70 at 18.11.40 an ounce. The euro 1.0638 against the dollar. British pound 1.2047. The yen 133.95 and bitcoins down two tenths of a percent at about $16,650. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. The Supreme Court is keeping pandemic-era limits on people seeking asylum in place for now. The court set a February timeline for arguments in the Title 42 case. Southwest CEO says he is optimistic the airline will be back on track before next week after it had to cancel thousands of flights because of the winter storm. Bob Jordan says they will fly a reduced schedule over the next few days to reposition crews and planes. In the NBA, the Knicks lost in overtime. The Celtics, Wizards, and Warriors won. In the NHL, the Islanders won. The Capitals beat the Rangers in a shootout. The Bruins lost in a shootout. I should say the Capitals beat the Rangers for a zip. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg, John. Michael, thank you. 523 on Wall Street. I'm John Tucker, and this is Bloomberg Daybreak. As futures seem to tread water this morning, let's continue our conversation with Matt Maley, the chief market strategist at Miller Tapeback. Matt, will there be indiscriminate selling ahead where maybe some great opportunities will arise for investors? Well, that is what usually happens in in a bear market. Uh, you know, we get that washout move. I mean, we've heard all year long that uh, from from a, a lot of different areas around the street saying, you know, we haven't had that big capitulation move. Uh, like I said, the capitulation. Most people think of that as well, where people just throw in the towel and say, "Oh, God, I've had enough. Get me out." But that 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 does play a part. Uh, but uh, a, a real the real capitulation takes place when we get the forced sell that we were talking about earlier, and uh, when that happens, uh, you get some unbelievable buy opportunities because when people have to sell uh, whether it be a margin call or, or what have you uh, they they're willing to sell at any price whether if, if a stock is fairly valued or undervalued doesn't matter they have to sell and uh, those create some unbelievable opportunities I mean one of the things that I always uh, uh, say is uh, you know one of the <laughs> that the Warren Buffett I mean that's how he really became a billionaire he would come in in, in situations where somebody had to sell it may not be a stock market crash and maybe uh, an, an individual uh, a company's individual situation but they finally they have to you know finally have to sell and he comes in and scoops up uh, those great situ- uh, situations and uh, and you know and, and then rides the thing for, for many years to come so I mean it, it, things like that happen it's not just a once in a lifetime uh, uh, situation it happens in most bear markets so it happens but it only happens a couple of times, and so yes, it will. I think uh, create some unbelievable opportunities. And you look at a stock like uh, uh, Alphabet, Google, uh, it's already getting uh, you know inexpensive. I mean, it's below twenty times earnings. At some point, the stock, if it falls, especially if it falls any further, uh, you're going to get a, a great opportunity in, in some of these names. And so, uh, uh, like anything else, when you talk about bearish situations, uh, cycles are cycles, and they turn back up at one point, and they provide unbelievably great opportunities. I think you said at one point in your note that. That you like gold. Why hasn't gold been the the inflation hedge that it usually has been associated with? 
that that is, is you know the, one of the big conundrums of uh, of the last year because really nothing has. I mean, of course, everybody was this time last year. People were saying that that the cryptocurrency market uh, would be you know would be Bitcoin or some other cryptos uh, would be the the uh, the hedge. That certainly didn't work out. But neither did gold, uh, and of course, gold didn't work really well as a flight to safety trade either. Um, but on a technical basis, there's no question that gold is 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 really turned around. Uh, it broke above its trend line. Uh, well, first of all, it provided a very nice base over the summer, uh, tra- trading along the 1620 level, 1620 level, uh, bouncing along that level for a couple of months. Uh, then it broke above its trend line, going back okay. to March, making a series of higher highs and higher lows. So on a technical basis, gold looks very good. Matt, always a pleasure. Appreciate it. Matt Miller, uh, Matt Maley, rather, the chief market strategist at Miller Tayback with us this morning. Uh, just to hand this morning's top stories, plus your local headlines and a check of uh, the markets ahead of the cash open on Wall Street this morning. Futures right now, they're mixed. The Dow futures, they're up 57. S&P E-mini futures up three, and the NASDAQ futures are down seven points. All that straight ahead. But first, we're going to get a look at uh, today's Bloomberg weather forecast. And to do that for us in the weather center this morning, that is where we find meteorologist Rob Carolyn. Any cloudiness across the tri-state area moves out early this morning. It becomes partly to mostly sunny today with highs between 40 and 45. Tonight, partly cloudy. The city's 30 to 35 lows in the suburbs in the 20s overnight. Tomorrow, partly to mostly sunny. We should be around 45 tomorrow afternoon. The outlook for Friday, partial sunshine with highs between 45 and 50. I'm Rob Carolyn with your three-day forecast on Bloomberg 1130. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's coming up to 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Karen Moscow. And I'm John Tucker. Bloomberg Daybreak being brought to you by Innovation Refunds to see if your small or medium-sized business could be missing out on an opportunity. Was your business impacted by COVID-19 in 2020 or 2021? It may qualify for the employee retention credit. The professionals at Innovation Refunds can help your business recover from the pandemic. See how much you could be could be waiting for your business at GetRefunds.com. Well, we're just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. And let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. We begin with the latest on Southwest travel woes. CEO Bob Jordan is now issuing a public apology after the airline canceled thousands of flights yet again. Our plan for the next few days is to fly a reduced schedule and reposition our people and planes. And we're making headway and we're optimistic to be back on track before next week. Southwest CEO Bob Jordan says he's doing everything he can to return to normal operations. And Karen, Southwest is responsible for almost three-quarters of flight cancellations of the U.S. That's drawing the ire of government officials. Now, Bloomberg Steve Rappaport joins us live with the latest on that story. Steve, good morning. Good morning, John and Karen. The Department of Transportation in a tweet called Southwest's woes unacceptable, adding it will investigate whether the mass cancellations were controllable and if Southwest is complying with its customer service plan. That's likely little comfort for tens of thousands of Southwest passengers not going anywhere today with more than 2,500 flights grounded. 
The Biden administration wants to know why rival airlines had a much easier time recovering from last week's storm. Live in New York, I'm Steve Rappaport, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Steve, thanks. Well, turning to politics now, the Biden administration says it will comply with and enforce the Supreme Court's ruling on Title 42. The order means thousands of people waiting on the Mexican side of the border will stay there for the time being. And Bloomberg News has learned that years of Donald Trump's tax returns will be released Friday by a House committee. It marks the first complete look at the former president's tax records since he declared his run for the White House in 2015. Well, let's look at markets now. U.S. futures, they're little changed to higher following a down day on Wall Street. The S&P 500 has fallen more than 6% this month and almost 20% on the year. Over in Asia, more easing of COVID restrictions helped fuel a gain of 1.5% on Hong Kong's Hang Seng Index overnight. And as Hong Kong and China ease COVID restrictions, some countries are considering whether to test or restrict travelers from China. In Hong Kong, Chief Executive John Lee says scrapping COVID rules was not a rushed decision. It is not rapid, it's not sudden. There will always come a day when we have to make big decision about normalization. That is exactly what we are doing now. As Chief Executive John Lee says, Hong Kong has prepared for the easing of COVID restrictions for months by vaccinating much of the population. And that brings us to 531 on Wall Street. Let's bring in Michael Barr with more on what else is going on in New York and around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, John. Officials in New York say state and military police were sent to keep people from driving in snow-choked Buffalo. More than 30 people died in the region. Buffalo Mayor Byron Brown was asked about reports of looting. There was looting that took place in different parts of the city. I call the looters the lowest of the low. Uh, people that shouldn't even be able to look themselves in the mirror. They should be ashamed of themselves. Mayor Brown and an emergency services commissioner in the Buffalo area say crews are keeping an eye on warmer weather later in the week that could bring a threat of flooding as the snow melts. More testimony from the January 6th panel is providing more details involving former New York Mayor Rudy Giuliani. According to testimony from ex-New York Police Commissioner Bernard Carrick, Giuliani spoke to former President Donald Trump as much as 10 times a day about possible litigation. Kerrick says the conversations took place between November 5th of 2020 and January 15th of 2021. GOP leaders on Capitol Hill are mostly muted after the latest statement from Congressman-elect George Santos. The Long Island Republican described what he called embellishing large portions of his background during his successful congressional run. Santos spoke on Fox News last night to Tulsi Gabbard. I made a mistake, and I think humans are flawed, and we all make mistakes, Tulsi. Um, I think we can all look at ourselves in the mirror and admit that once in our life we made a mistake. I'm having to admit this in national television for the whole country to see. The Republican chairman in his district said Santos may have broken the public trust, but he'll do the public's will when it comes to tax relief and public safety. Scientists are transforming pig livers to look and act like human ones as part of a quest to ease the nation's organ shortage. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts, more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, John. Michael, thank you. 
That's coming up on 534 on Wall Street. Time now for the Sports Report, brought to you by your Tri-State Audi dealers. Good morning, John Stashower. Good morning, John. Nick started a Texas swing in Dallas. Jalen Brunson missed the game against his old team, injured hip. Then two minutes in, R.J. Barrett hurt his finger, so Emmanuel quickly and Deuce McBride played 51 and 46 minutes and shot two for 19 on three-pointers. Quentin Grimes did score 33. Julius Randle had 29, 18 rebounds. And the Knicks led by nine with 35 seconds to go. They led by two with four seconds left, and Luka Doncic at the free throw line. The flicks it ball loose, still loose, Doncic. Oh, he puts it in! He puts it in to tie the game! Unbelievable! Quickly launches it from three quarters court, and we're going overtime! Mike Green, MSG, he missed the free throw on purpose, got the rebound, tied the game. Dallas won 126-121, an amazing night for Doncic, 60 points, 21 rebounds, 10 assists, greatest triple-double in NBA history. Rangers at the Garden lost to Washington 4-0, Islanders beat Pittsburgh 5-1. Is Carlos Correa going to be a Met? He was going to be a giant until a red flag arose from his physical, and now the Mets are concerned about an ankle injury. They reportedly want to restructure the contract. There's word Correa is not in agreement with that, and now other teams are said to be looking to sign Correa. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. John? All right, thanks, John. Bloomberg Sports Report brought to you by Audi. Don't let somebody else drive off of the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local Tri-State Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. And it's now 5.35 on Wall Street time for the Tri-State Business Report. And here with that, Bloomberg's Gina Cervetti. Wegmans is recalling some salad ingredients in New York, New Jersey, and a handful of other states over salmonella concerns. The company says the products in question include Wegmans branded organic farm and orchard microgreens and organic baby kale and baby spinach with sweet pea leaves. The Rochester-based grocery chain says it's received no reports of illnesses. The city of Hoboken has given the green light to a new mixed-use development on Monroe Street. The Hudson Reporter reports that the city council approved the 675 resident unit project for 930 Monroe and that the deal includes a $15 million community benefit contribution from the developer. And Connecticut-based Altus Power has agreed to buy a 220-megawatt solar plant business from funds managed by the private equity firm True Green Capital Management. Renewables now reports that Altus said the price tag is around $293 million. That's the Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Gina Cervetti. All right, thanks, Gina. And it is now 5.37 on Wall Street. That's time for our daily Bloomberg Small Business Report. And with that, here's Bloomberg's Lisa Mateo. Higher prices will push more Americans to jumpstart their small business dreams in 2023 to help boost their income. New research from Intuit QuickBooks shows almost two-thirds of those surveyed say they'll keep their current job while starting their side hustle. The majority plan to fund their business with their own savings, with others expecting to lean into family and friends, as well as look to private business loans from banks and online lenders. While Delaware led 2022 with the most entrepreneurs per capita, New Jersey leads the states set to have the majority next year, followed by Florida, Hawaii, California, Louisiana, Maryland, Georgia, Nevada, New York, Delaware, and South Carolina. The report also shows technology has made it easier than ever for them to start a business. E-commerce opportunities and the social media creator economy led their venture choices. And that's the Bloomberg Small Business Report. 
Lisa, thanks a lot. Lisa Mateo. Solana, the cryptocurrency backed by fallen crypto mogul Sam Bankman-Fried, tumbling today amid concerns that large holders may about to be offloading the token. Solana dropping as much as 12% as trading about 8.8% lower as of uh, this morning in London. Other tokens saw modest declines. Well, ahead of the cash open on Wall Street this morning, Dow futures, they're up 54 points. That's a rise of about two-tenths of a percent. S&P e-mini futures, they're two points higher right now. And the NASDAQ futures, 13 points lower. That's down about a tenth of a percent. Well, just ahead, we'll have a market update. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. And U.S. stock index futures are really struggling for direction as news of further moves by China to reopen its economy failed to lift investor sentiment in the final week of a dismal year for markets. We check the markets all day long here on Bloomberg. And S&P futures, their little change. Uh, Dow futures are higher, up two-tenths of a percent or 57 points. And NASDAQ futures now lower down a tenth of a percent or 13 points. The DAX in Germany is little change. Ten-year treasury up 430 seconds, yield 3.82 percent. The yield on the two-year, 4.3 NYMEX crude oil is down half percent or 43 cents at $79.09 a barrel. COMEX gold is down 7 tenths percent or $13.20 at $18.09.90 an ounce. The euro, 1.0637 against the dollar. British pound, 1.2047 and again, 133.82. And Bitcoin this morning down about three tenths of a percent. It's at about $16,650. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, over Monday and Tuesday, Southwest Airlines canceled more than 5,000 flights because of the winter storm. Southwest's CEO, Bob Jordan, is apologizing to travelers. President Joe Biden said his administration would comply with the Supreme Court's order keeping in place sweeping coronavirus border controls. The administration says, though, Title 42 should be scrapped. In the NBA, the Knicks lost in overtime. The Celtics, Wizards, and Warriors won. In the NHL, the Islanders won. The Capitals beat the Rangers for zip. The Bruins lost in a shootout. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts, more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg John. Michael, thanks a lot. And as we wind down the 2022 trading year, the S&P 500, down close to 20%. Well, let's get you set up for the trading day right now. Preview 2023 for investors. We are joined by Christina Hooper, the Chief Global Market Strategist at Invesco. Christina, always a pleasure. Thanks for being with us. Uh, I think you're taking a page from what the, the late Queen Elizabeth in describing 2022. What, um, what, if anything, rises from the ashes of this year? Well, I think most major asset classes rise from the ashes in 2023. I just don't think we should expect uh, a very strong rebound. Um, Clearly, the Fed will continue to dominate the narrative as we enter 2023. So that's going to create something of a tug of war between a risk on and risk off environment. But the reality is that the Fed is very likely to hit the pause button in the first half of 2023. Um, 
probably in the first quarter of 2023. And we could, of course, get rate cuts by the end of next year. Um, so that's going to create a, a far more supportive environment for both equities and fixed income. Again, this is not going to be a blowout the lights year, in my opinion, but it's certainly going to be a better year than 2022. So what are the catalysts for a Fed pivot? So the catalysts are that inflation has peaked uh, and the situation is improving. Now, that doesn't mean that every component of inflation is improving materially. I think the Fed is rightly concerned about services. However, um, what we're seeing is goods inflation um, coming down. Um, what we're seeing is housing inflation um, really poised uh, to to um, materially improve. So so the real stubborn issue is is services inflation, is in particular wage growth. Um, but uh, as long as inflation is moving in the right direction and there's enough progress, uh, I think the Fed is going to be very likely to hit that pause button. And of course, if they've done enough damage to the economy um, later in the year, they're likely to start cutting rates. It still seems that the the labor market is very resilient. Do they have to torpedo the labor market in order to move forward? I don't think they have to torpedo the labor market. Um, what they're talking about is, um, you know, uh, unemployment increasing, job losses of probably 1.2 to 2.4 million. But you keep in mind, we also have a situation uh, where job openings are much higher than normal. Um, before the pandemic, we were running at about 7 million. Now we're well over 10. So um, if you saw job openings come down significantly, um, that would reduce labor mobility. And in my opinion, that has a much bigger impact on wage growth um, than, for example, um, just uh, cutting jobs. It, it, in, in fact, I think, you know, job openings uh, versus um, job um, job layoffs um, really has the same impact. So if you could bring down job openings from over 10 down to about 7, um, you could be in a situation where we just don't see a dramatic wage growth. And what we're seeing in the Federal Reserve Base Book is a lot of employers are very reluctant to cut the employer employees they have um, because they're operating um, with a pretty low level of employees. They've had difficulty finding more employees. So they're inclined to keep what they have, even if times get tough. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's all about, you know, how much money a company's making. Is the earnings picture at this point uh, adequately priced in? <laughs> I don't think it is. I think that will be uh, the key headwind for 2023 is that it hasn't been adequately priced in. We haven't seen uh, enough in the way of downward revisions to earnings. So that will certainly have an impact on equities, uh, especially in the first half of 2023. So what do you like at this point? <laughs> well, I like a diversified portfolio, and I like investors thinking for the long term. I think the biggest mistake that can be made is getting out of the market, especially getting out of equities. I, I think we need to anticipate volatility. I think what we're likely to see when we get to a more risk-on environment, when global risk appetite grows, is that cyclicals and smaller caps um, will likely perform better. Um, and also, um, 
markets outside the U.S. are likely to perform better. Um, so that, to me, is is the environment we see in the short term. But over the longer term, let's be well diversified. Um, within fixed income, uh, investment-grade credit looks very attractive and is, is something that can stay with investors and, and is likely to perform well as we transition from, from risk off to risk on. Uh, and as we get, as that global risk appetite grows, high, high yield um, will likely look more attractive. How strong are the recession signals at this point? I didn't ask you about that. Well, certainly there's a lot of concern about recession, right? And and that's part of the Fed dominating the narrative is that it will send uh, the economy, the U.S. economy, into recession. Um, However, uh, I think that what we're likely to see is a repricing of recession risks. That's where we get uh, an increase in global risk appetite. Um, So if we do have a recession, it's likely to be more shallow and uh, shorter uh, in duration than most are expecting at this juncture. You know, it's uh, we always count out the American consumer at, uh, at our own risk. They just keep buying. What's the state of the consumer in 2023? Well, the American consumer is in much better shape than they would be in a true stagflationary environment where you have high unemployment and high inflation. Um, as I said, we're seeing improvement um, in in areas, in, in different components of inflation like goods. Um, so it's a more attractive buying environment. And, of course, um, consumers, by and large, have jobs. It's a very tight labor market. Um, so that cushions uh, a downturn. Um, that enables consumers to still spend, even if they have to be selective um, in, in what they're purchasing. Okay, time for some unfair questions. Where does 2023 end with the S&P 500 and uh, yields on treasuries? Got about 30 seconds. Well, let's just say I I try to avoid ever giving specific (laughs) numbers. But you'll give it anyway. (laughs) Well, what I would say is that directionally what we're likely to see is the S&P 500 up from here. Um, uh, I would anticipate um, a, a single, di- a high single-digit year in performance, positive returns um, for 2023. Um, when it comes to the 10-year, uh, I think we'll see the yields lower than where we are today. Um, so that's about as specific as I'll get. Um, but but usually, if you can get it right directionally, um, <laughs> that's much of the game. We'll take it, Christina. Always a pleasure. Appreciate it. Christina Hoover, the Chief Global Market Strategist at Invesco. S&P Futures up four points. The Dow Futures right now, 69 points higher. And the Nasdaq E-Mini Futures are three points lower. And the 10-year yield right now, 382. That's down just about one basis point. You are listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Futures showing a little more strength this morning. And we check the markets all day long here on Bloomberg. With S&P futures up six points or almost two-tenths of a percent now. Dow futures up two-tenths of a percent or 75 points. And NASDAQ futures little changed. Ten-year Treasury is up 4.30 seconds, yield 3.82 percent. And the yield on the two-year, 4.34 percent. NYMEX crude oil is down seven-tenths percent on 53 cents at $79 a barrel. COMEX gold is down about eight-tenths of a percent. 
cent or fourteen dollars at eighteen oh nine an ounce. The euro is at one point oh six three three against the dollar. British pound one point two zero five four. The yen one thirty three point eight nine. And Bitcoin is at sixteen thousand six hundred fifty dollars, down two tenths of a percent. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash, John. All right, thanks, Karen. It is now 5.56 on Wall Street, and it's time for our daily Bloomberg Law Brief, exploring legal issues in the news. Today we're looking at the Supreme Court's oral arguments on affirmative action and how it's going to impact university admissions nationwide. A closer look will be given to Title VI of the 1964 Civil Rights Act and whether affirmative action violates this title. But justices will also argue over Title VII of the Civil Rights Act and whether taking race into account for employment violates the Constitution as well. And for more on the case, Bloomberg's David Weston speaks to Tara Lee Grove, a professor of law at the University of Texas in Austin. So there are two cases before the Supreme Court, one involving the state of North Carolina and one involving Harvard. Um, And this is important because... Whatever the Supreme Court does could affect both state universities and private universities. So the argument is essentially that affirmative action, taking race into account in university admissions, is unconstitutional under the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment. That's the part that applies to state institutions and is also invalid under Title VI of the Civil Rights Act. So Title VI is important because it applies to any institution that receives federal funds. Um, and this is why this this case could get rid of race-based affirmative action for every academic institution in the country. Well, before we talk about the oral argument and if we gleaned anything from it, let me pursue what you just raised. What about the 1964 Civil Rights Act? I mean, if, in fact, they go that way and say that it's unconstitutional and, by the way, violates Title VI, is it a very big step to say also it violates the 1964 Civil Rights Act, which would apply to essentially all corporations? It would not be a very big step. So if Title VI of the Civil Rights Act prevents private and public universities from taking race into account... Um, then probably the same language or very similar language in Title VII of the Civil Rights Act, which implies, applies to employment discrimination, would also prohibit all employers from taking race into account. Um, I think it, it's not going to be immediate. This case is just about university admissions, but I think employment is the next shoe to drop. But it could have a truly profound effect on employers right through the country, potentially. Again, as you say, not immediately. Yeah. What did we learn, right. if anything, from the oral argument? And I'm mindful of the fact you've you got to be very careful about reading too much into oral arguments. It is very hard from the oral argument to know, for, from oral arguments in general, to know for sure what the Supreme Court is going to do. I'd say going into the oral argument, most professors of constitutional law thought the Supreme Court was going to overrule its past cases on affirmative action, a case called Grutter versus Bollinger. Um, after the oral argument, I think most professors of constitutional law continue to believe that. It is possible the Supreme Court would, would find some kind of compromise or say we're not going to immediately outlaw affirmative action. We'll give it a little more time. I don't think that's going to happen. I think the oral argument was confirmation that the Supreme Court is in all likelihood going to end race-based affirmative action at, at universities. And that's Tara Lee Grove, a professor of law at the University of Texas in Austin, speaking to David Weston on Bloomberg's Balance of Power. You can catch that program weekdays at 12 p.m. Wall Street time right here on Bloomberg Radio and TV. Plus, attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal at BLawGo. 
This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.